Listen up, squibs. You may find this podcast to be fucking explicit. Hey, welcome back. It's a brand new episode of Full Metal RPG. This is episode number what, 29? Or is this episode 30? Is this it? Uh, who knows ah, for me. Fuck. I can't follow this shit. Fuck, man. I should have <laughs> It's episode it down. a lot. It's a lot. We've been doing this for a while now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm your host, uh, Brendan Carrion, and I'm joined once again by my co-host, Ben Bailey. What is up, everybody? And then today we have as a guest, the Warlord Amanda. How you doing? Hello, hello. I'm good. Good to hear. Uh, so we've been doing this a while now, right? Right, Ben? Yeah, I think uh, we're pretty relaxed now on the mics. Not really worried about too much. Oh, and, geez, uh, why do you have to say that? I now, now I'm just gonna oh, pressure, like pressure. A, now I'm just gonna sound like a fucking goof, <laughs> a goof all day. Nah, it's nice to have this sort of a conversational tone when you're talking. Sure. Not like stilted or worried about like you know, I don't know, sounding too stupid or anything like that it's been about a year we've been doing this i think we'll probably do like a uh a one year anniversary show here coming up pretty quick mm. can you believe how fast this year has gone i cannot it's gone really fast yeah right it's pretty crazy pretty cray cray christmas is coming oh yeah once again <laughs> once again uh but you know what that means the feared and hated holiday it means games <laughs> it means games under the christmas tree both for my friends and from my friends um so today we're going to do a little bit of talking from the old mailbag. Put out one of those little mailbag blurbs, and I didn't really hit it on Insta. I felt bad. I was, as I'm, I'm learning Illustrator, and I was working on this this graphic to put up for it. And my, um, my Illustrator skills were not great enough to get the graphic out on time. So only a select number of people on Facebook got an opportunity to weigh in on this this mailbag. So we're going to answer some of their questions coming up here shortly. But first, we're going to answer the question, what have you been up to lately? Wow! Woo-hoo. So, uh, Ben, what have you been up to lately, man? Uh, most recently, Gamma World, man. Yeah, you know, how's that been, going? Uh, it's a blast. It's a blast. I mean, it's, a, it's just gonzo crazy. Um, you know, it's a post-apocalyptic game and where everything is screwed up and the most random ass shit can happen because, you know, it's like a botched string theory where all like the myriad of worlds have combined into one in a post-apocalyptic event and, uh, you know, anything and everything goes. So whether it's like giant talking chickens or fucking like, I don't know, like, like uh, more cocky and like pigmen like assaulting you. It just who knows, you know. Is that where Adam was going with the pigmen thing? Was he like angry at you about that uh, that uh, quorum game that you ran? <laughs> and he was the pig farmer. <laughs> it, it, who knows? Maybe. <laughs> um, <laughs> I had actually forgotten that. That was pretty awesome. Um, I forgot <laughs> the random the rolling on the random uh, yeah random uh, professions. For we some were of those games. W- Despite the fact that I consider us on some level to be old school gamers, we're not so old school that people were ready to roll on a table and just get stuck with something and turn it into something. You know, I mean, we kind of adjusted to it. I mean, it, we were trying like fantasy role play and stuff like that. Like Warhammer, uh, Warhammer fantasy. Role yeah, play. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, by was... that point, we were enlightened gamers to the point where we were like, oh yeah, we'll try something a little bit different. But but back then in the quorum days, it was like, why well, I gotta be a why do I gotta be a lamplighter? 
<laughs> why why yeah. do I got to be a, a a corpse carrier? You know. Yeah. Yeah. I it. You know, we'd 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 had so much control over like everything we decided about our characters for all the White Wolf times, and then yeah. And then we were trying these other games, and it was like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like uh, having the control over your own character. I don't, I don't like having a my character's profession decided on a random well, table. It's not. It's not that you are exploring the adventures of pig in pig farming. Okay, because that's <laughs> that's what ben, that's what that's what when, when Ben was running Corum, there's a giant table, right? It was like a D100, right? And Adam rolled pig farmer, and he was like, "Oh, I'm a pig farmer. That means I'm a pig farmer, and I got a pig farm now." And then he and he was very upset about this, and he <laughs> and he insisted on insisted yeah. on taking his pig around with him everywhere. Didn't like, didn't he? Didn't his character hang himself? Yeah, he, he did. He did because his pig died, and his, then he hung himself. His pig. His pig was. <laughs> His pig was killed by like some uh, guys on a ship, right? And they and the, and his food, his pig was distributed for food. And so he like <laughs> he like hanged himself from the mast or something, right, in front of everybody yeah. in his grisly display. It was really horrible. <laughs> anyway, he was he was upset. He was upset about being 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 pi- pigeonholed in this pig farmer role. But the idea isn't that like, oh, I am a pig farmer now. I must role play pig farming. In a fantasy world, the idea is that I was once a pig farmer. Now I'm an adventurer. Yeah, I, I just, that is just where I come from. You know, like on some level, you could say that in Star Wars, uh, Luke Skywalker was a moisture farmer. Right? He didn't start out being a Jedi Knight. His beginning class, his zero level class, was moisture farmer, which is not very exciting. That's true. It's like it's like uh, what Jim was talking about with DCC, right? Like you yeah. have a whole bunch of zero level characters, and they're all like villagers who do random ass shit. And then if they survive the dungeon, then they're now adventurers, like first level adventurers. Yeah, exactly. But it does it does put some limitations on you. I mean, there's only so much a pig farmer is going to know. And if you had like this specific type of character in mind, and you're like, well, great, my pig farmer is not going to know any of this. I could see where that would be kind of a downer. I mean, if you come to the table with a lot of expect- expectations, then you're going to be bummed out. And and that is definitely something that like we had to transition in from story games. Yeah. Because because Corum was definitely an OSR game. That was yeah. a that was a that was a Chaosium OSR game. And we were like, "Oh, well, you know, I've got this particular flavor in my mouth that I really want to like role play." And the idea with OSR games is you're not necessarily going to get that. That the that the joy of playing them is in role playing and in kind of taking a very very little bit and turning it into a lot. And we just didn't know that back then. There was no primer on the OSR back then. And um, you know, I I I can see where Adam would have been frustrated. I can't remember what I got. I think I rolled something really good. It was just so funny because I rolled something that I think I was happy with, like spy or something like that. And uh, but Adam's Adam's character is one I remember because of yeah his character <laughs> being the most memorable right like yeah. right yeah yeah um so he's running so he's running uh, uh, Gamma World this is yeah the, uh, this is the uh, newest one the one that was in the box set and has you, like a, it's got like a lot of tokens and stuff yeah it's right? got like a bunch of tokens you can punch out that like you can use for like monsters or players or whatever um and and he said it in like. Uh, post-apocalyptic phoenix which is pretty sweet um since we know what phoenix looks like now it's interesting picturing what it looks like in this horrible future yeah 
So yeah, it's pretty fun. And um, you said that there's like these cards in it, so that you you whenever you, you roll a one, your your powers change, kind of. Yeah, I guess with the system we're playing in, um, you have a couple powers that are set in when you mutated, right? Everybody's playing a mutant in this game, and uh, you have a couple powers that you start with, and then you have a random power. And you have a you have you have a few random powers depending on what level you are. But for now, we have one random power. And every time we roll a one in combat, the uh, the power like shifts, and we we mutate again. And so random things happen in combat. Where like I was in a combat, and I was uh, I, my my mutant power was like um, I could like I I could breathe underwater and maybe speak to like marine animals. Nice. That's very useful in Arizona. <laughs> very useful in Arizona. <laughs> well, it could have been useful if we ended up at like. Uh, the golf land with the frog people or whatever. But, yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, instead, I was in combat and then uh, I mutated and all of a sudden I was like covered in shaggy hair, like like uh, ugly green shaggy hair, and I was like immune to cold damage. Also, really useful in Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> did, did did it tell you that it was green the hair? No, no. I just added. I, I, we just added that spin on. It sounded cooler. Okay. There like you go. kind of like like radioactive green kind of. Sure. Disgusting, nasty stuff. So. Sure. Good. Good. Um, so you playing anything else? You running anything? Uh, well, um, Adam brought up uh, brought up uh, the scheduling for m- me running something in that group, and uh, I think what is he gonna... already looking to to hand it no, off? No, 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 no. He just basically said he's fine running until people are people want to take a break and do something different. Sure. So I figure I'll approach them maybe like you know month or two down the road and see where they're at and see if they want to try something different. And I got a wonderful thing to try. So like next year, really, because. You know, we're getting we're getting into that zone. Oh yeah, we're, that's true. We're, we're we're flying right into the Bermuda Triangle of games, where like everybody's got like crazy plans. Uh, yeah. in, the, in the holidays, everybody's sick, or they're out of town, or they're really busy that weekend. It's just it's it's a fucking nightmare. I'm true. trying to I'm trying to plan some games right now, and I'm basically wanting to just throw myself off a off a fucking bridge somewhere because I'm just like no one's gonna show up to this thing these things. I don't know why I'm even fucking bothering you know it's like i might as well just we might, you might as well just shut her up until until next year of course that's that's the pessimist i i'm i'm known for being yeah and and i want to say one more thing one more thing about uh game world 2 i'm at yeah i laid on me um we were talking earlier i think about uh about what it feels like because you know you and i yeah. both really don't like fourth edition dungeon dragons very much right hate it and um and this is very similar well, but it came out about the same time, right? It was based on similar rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you, you can look at Saga Edition, Star Wars, yep. Gamma World, and Fourth Edition, and they're all kind of like little permutations on the same core, right? Yeah, but this isn't nearly like the tactical game that Fourth is, where you feel like you feel like um, you know you have to approach every combat like optimally, or you guys are going to get rolled, and you have to have everybody play oh, yeah. their role. Where it's like you're the fucking tank, and you got to get out front and like. You got to make sure to, to mark that guy, <laughs> and then you know, and like if you if you if you if you fuck it up, then like you guys might get rolled. Right, and, right. And, and this very, is just there's like no room for role playing in that either. Yeah, no. it's like it's like it's everything's like this very duty oriented mechanical system of like you got to do your fucking thing, man. No, and and the combats in this were feeling like way more like organic and wild, Good. where like people were just sort of like kind of like going with what they wanted to do and what they felt like doing. And it, it, you know, it was it was uh, it was a lot of fun. So let's say you were at a like gaming con, right? You know how you're going through the gaming con. There's a dealer's room, and there's all these guys, and they got like these these big milk crates full of old games, right? And you see the Game of World box set there, right? Mm-hmm. And it's let's say it's not ludicrously priced. Let's say it's it's you're paying uh, cover cover for it. Would you buy it? Yes. 
Cool. All right. That's right solid. On. That's a solid recommendation. That's a very solid recommendation. Yeah, I think um, I think it's worth it's <laughs> worth uh, checking out. It's um, it's definitely enjoyable. It's a Gonzo style, uh, fast paced, enjoyable game. Solid. What are you playing, Amanda? Uh, well, there's a Dungeon World game that's going to be starting. Yeah, I, I've heard about that game. <laughs> Sounds like a piece of shit. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's my game. Uh, we made our world and our characters, and it's going pretty good. I, I thought so. Right? It's a lot of creative ideas. Yeah. Sounds, sounds super cool. Yeah. So tell me something about this world. What's it like? Well. Amanda's the player. I'm kind of interested in hearing what she has to say without me giving any prompts because <laughs> I've been spending a lot of time thinking about this. Um, like I said on the previous show, I said this on Shadow Sworn last week, um, is that I've, I've, never, I've never played Dungeon World, so the only way I know how to run Dungeon World is from listening to that Friends at the Table podcast. And their character creation slash world building was like three hours long. I think ours was only two. And yeah. um which is which is a, a lot longer than the Jim Miller five minutes that he keeps hitting me with. <laughs> um and so I sat down and I gave these guys all the playbooks and let them figure out what playbooks they wanted to have. And then I um we had to have some discussions about what different playbooks meant, and we had we had a really classic conversation, a conversation that will live on in my memory for a long time because it makes it's so wonderful. I, I hand out the I'm reading to them what what all the different character character classes are, which okay. are called playbooks in, in in these apocalypse world powered by apocalypse games. And the first one is the bard, and uh, our friend Jess, who we all work with, uh, is sitting there, and she goes, "What's a bard?" And I'm like, so I explained to her what a bard is, and she gets this like shriveled like look on her face. And she goes, "Why would anybody want to do that?" <laughs> and it's just like, "Yes, Jess, exactly. That is the question." And 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 men and women have been for thirty years trying to figure out why would anyone want to do that with varying levels of success. I mean, it is like a quest within the quest. And here's a class that like so many people are attracted to that we know, dude. I I, I you I are to make it great. They're like this sounds yeah. so awesome awful but i can make it great yeah like 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 okay so i don't get any powers that are cool i'm just gonna push that to the side i'm gonna make it cool through <laughs> role playing and then it's like womp womp like, <laughs> you know I, I imagine that somewhere there is a guy who's who's like the most epic bard player and he's like he's like he's like fools he's like the neo of like fucking playing the bard he, that would he, be amazing he knows how to do it and, and, and he just thinks that we're all like you know sleepers or something but like i haven't met that guy yet and um, all of my attempts to play bards have been disastrous so just absolutely disastrous anyway so go ahead you were saying so so tell us so tell us about the world that you guys sketched out because we got the playbooks everybody put their stats in which that really is very quick we probably did that in 30 minutes and we're talking about neophyte role players so that lots was, of questions to be asked yeah answer. lots of questions and kind of like like looking at the different options so that was that was very fast um and then we got down to the part where you're supposed to assign bonds to one another which is like how do we all know each other and everybody was like well i don't really know what the world is so i don't really know about how i know anybody else and i'm like fair enough so we started sketching out the world and i gave i i gave just a few prompts i said i want to run a game that takes place in a city okay and it's going to be like a it's going to be a medieval fantasy city like a metropolis um and it's going to be a center of power so there's going to be like a lot of government type shit there 
and there's going to be a lot of crime lords. There's going to be like a bunch of kind of like feuding criminal syndicates in the city. Oh, and also the city it was built on top of the ruins of another city that is underneath it. All right, so there's two strata, and then and then that's it. Go, go, you guys go. And then they started working, and it, it came, they came up with some shit that I never would have done on my own. I never, I never it's, would have gotten it's there. It's really cool. It's actually it our city ends up being very multi-layered and very kind of kind of dark in its politics, and it's like. To me, it sounds like it's right on the the edge, right on a tipping point, and it's kind of like which way is it going to go? Because there's there's all this this stuff that we decided is going on in our city. Uh, it has an emperor, but then it has all these crime lords also, um, and the emperor is kind of like you don't really know if he's good or bad. At least that's the sense I get. Is that I mean he's there. Some people might think he's good. Some people might not. Um, but he's got some some stuff going on with him too. And But there's all these layers about the ancient ones that the old city was built on and uh, their magic and the new magic. I put air quotes there. The new magic. Um, it's got so much stuff. It's really pretty cool. I'm kind of excited to play it. Me too, to be totally honest. Just... All the different things. There's monsters coming up because of the old magic and the old gods. And parts of the, the city are sinking, but the elite have decided that that's really cool. And it's like a little Venice for them. And they're like, ooh, we all have islands now and that sort of thing. And, oh, it but, just is very, very layered. I like Yeah, that. I think, I mean, it's we could really do with it whatever we wanted, which kind of blows my mind. Yeah, you, there's so many different avenues that you could go. Yeah. Just with, with, I mean, you could either, you could go with the old gods, you could go with the the crime, because right. the crime, um, the crime syndicates are, like the, they're, they're battling pretty much, and it's it seems like it's coming to a head, and it's going to yeah. be some kind of big big war and you'll have to like choose your sides and so you and they came up with that that wasn't me that was their desire for the for the for, for the for the they, they really wanted the crime syndicates to sort of like be across a different spectrum of like of like race and class and that they had all aligned themselves in these different ways and were really trying to make a grab for a huge piece of power in the city like the, the beyond just control of drugs or whatever into like actual temporal power they came up with that i ain't I, I mean i was like i was like holy shit i didn't know that this group had it in it yeah some of them are, are have their eye on the emperor's throne mm-hmm. and then there's the emperor you I mean there's there's stuff with him he's got like a a secret hidden magic council even though he's spreading pop propaganda in his city that magic's not really real so uh, there's just all these yeah. cool ways you could go. The, they they came up with the idea that the city is kind of teetering on the edge of a sort of environmental apocalypse. That like it's it's the cities begin to sink into the into the to the sea that it, that it's next to, and that um, as the sort of water levels are rising, people are just kind of like, oh, you know, it makes my property more more pleasant to have like waterways, and. In this kind of way that, like, reflecting in our contemporary society that uh, um, as, as we approach environmental cataclysm and everybody just seems to be playing the fiddle, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so really there's there's this possibility of playing a huge Byzantine city 
but focusing on just like any number of very, very small things. And as I've been planning the adventure, what little I can plan in a certain sense, it's almost been like kind of paralyzing because it's like, it's like, it's like just, we wrote this all out on one page of art paper. So it was like a really big sheet of paper and I was able to write this big map of all the different, the, the different kind of like factors that are playing into the plot. And, uh, I feel almost like they gifted me with a giant fucking 500 page source book because like I could just sit here and take one little area of the, of the city and write like 10, 20 pages, 10, 20 pages on each each little thing. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. So, um, our first session of that is Sunday, Sunday, Sunday coming up. Um, have you written your backstory yet? That's a no. <laughs> well, I saw you drew your character though. That's good. That's a good start. No one else has written their backstories either, so I need to like send something out on the Facebook group and be like, "Yo, yo, fuckers, um, write your backstories." Yeah, I haven't. <coughs> I have an idea. Well, you know, this game is all about ideas. Does it uh, involve pig farming? <laughs> I suspect not. Yeah, well, can't all be pig farmers, I suppose. <laughs> but what if we were what if we all rolled the same thing um anyway uh what else you got going on yeah any, any gaming opportunities coming up or that you're involved in currently uh well then my my dungeon world game really our dungeon world game we should call it our dungeon world game from this point forward because it's not really my game it's it's it's, it's belongs it's, to all of us it does it's it's super weird it's for me to be doing it like that because I'm so used to being the guy who's like, to being the, like the George Lucas of the, uh, who's like, the Gungas or whatever, you know? <laughs> uh, um, I'm being wooed to run a game for the Arizona Game Fair. Is ah, that what yeah. it's called? Yeah, that's, yeah, yep. we're going to be doing a shout out for them at the, on the, on the break. Um, but so you, they're, 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 they're hoping that you're going to lend your talents. Yeah, um, I'm thinking about it. I'm actually thinking about running a Kuro game. I really like that system when I tried it at the first crit sure. hit. It was it was really cool. Uh, and I like how it lends itself to the Asian Asian stuff. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, you I, know, the hardest thing about running Kuro is getting a hold of the book, but you happen to be lucky because I happen to own the book. So. I know, it's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll bring that to work this week so you can uh, check it out. Cool, cool, yeah, cool. So I'm. It's probably I probably will, but I'm not gonna say definitely yet that I will. But it's a really good possibility. <laughs> wow. Okay then. <laughs> that sounded suspiciously like a campaign promise. But I am. Uh, I'm very cynical and like super sick of this presidential campaign at this point. I just want it to be over. Yes, yes, yes. So, um. Let's see, what do I got going on? I got the aforementioned Dungeon World uh, adventure coming up. And I've I've come up with the basic outline for what I consider to be levels one through, let's say the first two levels. The first two levels, I think, will, will be this plot line. <coughs> I'm stoked to explore it. 
I spent this entire last week being sick as a dog. And if you if you listened to the Shadows Run Radio Hour and you were like, holy shit, that fucking episode sucked. What the hell were they doing? The problem was is that Adam was sitting here trying to do a show while I was in the midst of just coming out with this, like, this vicious cold. And rather than just calling it and saying, let's do this another time, I was like trying to soldier through. So I fucking, I soldiered through that episode, then I edited it while I was sick. And like, it just is not a super great episode. It's not our best work. Um, if you were disappointed, I hope that uh, you will s- join us again next month when Adam and I um, are going to discuss the uh, Grand Masquerade uh, video put out by White Wolf. And we're going to go through it on a point by point basis. We're going to just we're going we're going we're going to tear that thing apart, dude. <laughs> we're going it's going to be like Hellraiser. It's going to be like it's going to be like Uncle Frank at the end of Hellraiser <laughs> with all those like hooks and he go Jesus wept and then he blows <laughs> up. It's going to be like that. Um I, I think that that'll be probably better episode. We'll make it up to you guys. Um then uh while I was kind of like recovering I, I for some reason i got this like wild hair at my ass and i just started reading carcosa the um lamentations book which i had never i had never just sat down and read it cover to cover <coughs> that book is unbelievably vicious it is just one of the most vicious vile tomes i have ever read it is so brutal and ghastly it is it's um it's so basic in its in its role-playing elements it's just been it's like it's like alchemical you know it's, it has been it has been boiled down to its most base components and then it just has it's just you know what it really reminds me of is when i was a kid i used to get these marvel comic books of um these conan comic books and do, you, conan! do you remember those when they when you go to the well, grocery store and they had these magazines but the they, savage sword of conan is that well, the they were, oversized they, they, magazine? yeah they were over there yeah there was like okay. a big magazine it was in the magazine section not in the comic section but it had comic book stories inside of it and they were all um in black and white mm-hmm. black and white inks and they were kind of disturbing you know oh, yeah they were disturbing to read they you were know? awesome yeah yeah they, but they were like, like really hella violent and um, they had all sorts of strange characters in them. Like it was, there didn't seem to be much, like a continuity to them. It seemed to just like, oh, here's Conan. He's just like wandering along. And then he has some kind of like bizarro adventure. And then, the, you know, the next two pages over would be another story that had nothing to do with the first one. You know, like the first one, Conan's in a desert. The next one, he's in the snow. You know, he's dressed totally differently. He's surrounded by different characters. Um but they were always like bloody and like and like so it's with like really like disturbing magic users and just like strange creatures and shit. I fucking loved those things, despite how they like kind of made my third eye kind of twitch <laughs> a little bit when I was reading them as a kid. Anyway, this Carcosa game it just feels just like that. Sweet. It's just it's just uh, I mean it's just a such a bloody and raw book. Um, all the spells that you get, you, you if you take a spell casting class, you don't actually start with any spells, and none of the spells from like Lamentations of the Flame Princess carry over. The only spells that are in the game are these ones that are in the book, and they're all horrifying and ghastly rituals. That it just tells you what you have to do 
to, to, to complete them. And they all involve like murder or like torture. I mean, like they really, and they graphically describe like, like, like first you've got to get six people and then you got to chain them up and they've got to pour molten lead over them. And as they die, you have to like issue this, this, this incantation. And if you do it right, then this, then this horrible God like comes out of the, the, the quagmire and you control him for three days. And you're just like, so it's all black magic. Well, I mean, anyway. <laughs> now we're getting into it, you know, the the, the occult, and I I don't know if, if necessarily like this this show is is if, if that's our purview to discuss, you know, black magic versus white magic and all that kind of thing. But but it's 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 really just, I mean, you can just totally see playing a sorcerer character, and like if you go into town and the townspeople discover that you're a sorcerer, they just will kill you, like, immediately. Because you, you, you can't be up to anything good. There's not a single spell in there that doesn't require ghastly human sacrifice, you know? That, you can totally see the distrust of the magic user. Like, oh, that guy's going to fucking... No, your, your, your intentions will be bad, and you're a magic user. So That's, that's kind of like when, when Ben and Zajac would be in a game. You knew that... Their intentions were bad towards each other. It just was. You just always thought Ben's intentions were bad no matter what he was doing, whether Zajac <laughs> was there or not. I, True. I've been doing a lot of work on this Montreal game, mm-hmm. um, and, I, and I am always thinking about the one that we ran, the one we played in back in the early 2000s when Ben was the secret Bali and you were the Zimacy. And I remember Ben's character comes, because you guys had all been separated, and Ben comes to your uh, your communal haven, and it's the first time he's seen you in like a year or something. And he is masquerading as a uh, Malkavian anti-tribu. And he, he comes in, and I think he uses uh, damiation power, right? Something happened, yeah, and I made someone act crazy with a damiation power. Yeah, yeah. And because yeah. uh, somebody was, I think somebody was Sabbat stepping to you, and you were like, Burr! Damnation, and they're like, oh! They saw some like horrifying nightmare of their most their most hated evil or something, and they so they acted crazy for a second, and um, and uh, I remember Amanda, she just goes, I draw my guns and I point them right at Ben, (laughs) and uh, and you said something like, you're infernalist, and it's not like we had even had this conversation. Nobody knew that you were playing an infernalist. This was completely secret. And uh, and Ben, you were just sitting there, and you were just like, what the <laughs> fuck are you talking about? You have no reason to think that. And even though it was exactly what was going on, he says, I'm a Mokavian tribute. This is a Mokavian tribute power. Remember that? You just always think the words of whatever Ben is doing. And I mean, on some level, like, rightly so, <laughs> but like... It's just funny. Yeah, you're like, wincing. You're no, wincing. No, 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 no. <laughs> a lot of it goes back to like uh, back to the the like uh, Giovanni Chronicles days. Yeah, I had quite a rep in that that game that I think. Yeah, was, you did. Which I don't think was necessarily deserved. Um, <laughs> okay, okay. Sorry, I'm maybe <laughs> laughing so hard. You, hey, hey, hey! I gotta say that that like, yeah, I ended up killing a player character in that game that you like put against all of us. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Your like, points. <laughs> Like it would, you you set up the inevitable confrontation was going to happen when he when he like sold out uh, to like that, a. We, 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 you and I could we could we could have hold the trial of of the Giovanni Chronicles <laughs> at another time. We could do a whole episode about that. But that character was never like I don't know. It was it was never like his 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 intentions were like hidden. I will admit that the legacy of Countinescu has followed you around like a like a like a 
like a cursed tiki or something for, <laughs> for, for, for at this point the better part of 20 years because of what happened in that game you know it's like a, it's like a red letter that you wear and um i don't think it's always deserved i don't think it's always deserved well, but but doesn't that just mean that you played the character well? well I mean, obviously. if so many years obviously. later people are like, I, "Yeah, I, that's no, you." I have, <laughs> I have a, I have a, a wonderful, I have a lot of wonderful memories of Canon SQ. I think that, um, in in some level, in some in, on some level, it was some of the best role playing I've ever done, um, especially with Mike. Yeah, uh, there were those yeah. there were those scenes where he and I were just like. So vitriolic towards each other, and they were great. Yeah, it's true. Um, and we hated each other for like, like, like centuries in that game. Like, it's we true. literally hate each other. <laughs> we hate each other on sight. I think from the first session. Yeah, it's true. Like, I hated his character. He hated my character. You, you met as mortals who hated one another, and yeah. then you carried that on into undeath for centuries. Yeah, and he 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 was he was a character that always sort of insisted on being sort of the outsider anyway. He wanted to be the outsider, and yeah. um, and well, always yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah, know. Patterns. He, he, yeah, he <laughs> wanted to be the outsider, and um, it was just kind of weird how how everything sort of coalesced in that game over the. And we're talking over the course of years where we played this game, and uh, it, it finally, like he he as a player was um, traveling at the time, and so he had to leave the game for a while, and so his character disappeared. Being the outsider was like whatever his character disappears, and um, when you wrote him back in. You'd run him back in as a as a as a traitor to all of no, us. I, I see what you're doing here on the internet. You're trying to develop this this no, no, this no, no, this no. record where it's really all Brendan's fault. That's not <laughs> your fault. But I just want to point out that like remember Old Soulful? You're this is the, okay. Ben played a character called Old Soulful that was like that was Ben. It was a white guy playing a black guy, and it was like the only time I've ever seen this done where I didn't want to like jump out of my skin. All right, because <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't horrible. Okay, usually it's pretty bad. Usually it's yeah, pretty... Yeah, I, I try not to be like... I try not to use any racial stereotypes or anything right. silly like that. It was I just, just wanted to be a normal dude who happened to be black in the South. It was a, it was a solid character, and it was definitely um, at or beyond the level that we were playing at at that time. So, and I think he really stepped his game up a lot and made that game great. But I do remember Old Soulful uh, in an alleyway, just like walking up to Ben Heiligman's like Vendru character or whatever, and like popping wolf claws and putting them right by his head and being like, "You need to get with this party or you're gonna die." And I think it and and Kanonescu did a lot of similar stuff, and I think that that's what people were were. They were the motivation was different, right? Because well, yeah. No, no, no. Okay, seriously, seriously, seriously. No, no, here no. we go. We're gonna have <laughs> no, this. No, no, out. no, 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 no. Like I gotta say, like Old Soulful was um he was very much about his friends. And 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 if you recall, his venture character like betrayed all of yeah, us. Yeah, he betrayed everybody. Yeah. He betrayed all of us and potentially almost killed all of us. Which is what people do in vampire. Exactly, it is what happened. So so being the being the type of like uh, like you know low humanity guy. Because I because I lost a bunch of humanity in this game, which was miserable. Yeah, you did. You lost a ton of humanity. You were like turning into a crocodile, right? Yeah, I was. And, I was going all like super crazy. And, and that was that was before they even came out with the rules that said that you were turning that you turned into other animals besides a wolf. Yeah, right. Yeah. And we, but we were kind of we were ahead of the game on that one. We were like, um, oh no, it doesn't make sense for old soulful to turn into a. a uh, wolf. He. This is a. This game takes place in New Orleans. Let's have him start turning into a crocodile. Yeah, and <laughs> so you know, being a little humanity character who's, who's like who's like uh, pack mates were threatened. He decided to like try and like. He didn't want to kill the guy. He didn't want to kill the guy because he was still part of the pack. He was just betraying the pack, but he wanted to threaten him. 
Now, Kalinescu was just a fucking dick. Yeah, that's true. Kalinescu <laughs> was an overbearing dick who wanted everything to happen the way he said it had to happen, and it didn't matter. You know, like you better just obey what he says, or that's it. Like he's gonna, he's gonna like be overbearing. You know, too true, too true. So, there's a difference in motivation. So, I mean, good times. It was good, good times. Good times, <laughs> good times were it had was. by most. Um, I don't know what Zajac would have to say about that. Like I keep saying, we're going to have to have him on here. Not next time, but maybe the time after. <laughs> That'd be interesting. Yeah. That'd be interesting. Um, so that's what we've been doing, and that's definitely what we were doing 20 years ago. So um, <laughs> anybody, is anybody tracking any product right now? I'm not really. I'm not really following anything. Um, I am a little bit. Uh, we You pointed out that board game on um, Kickstarter. Oh, Dungeon Degenerates, Hand mm-hmm. of Doom. Board I love game. the art on that. I want to get those posters. Yeah, man. Those posters are pretty swick. It's pretty pretty saucy uh, Kickstarter. I'm not usually one for the board games either, as, I, as I'm sure you're well aware. I'm not a board game guy. But um, Dungeon Degenerates is a big part of my um, Instagram life. I really like a lot of the stuff that they do. They Dungeon Degenerates is very much into the um, same aesthetic as Full Metal RPG is. We're drinking from the same well here. We're both into the kind of like lo-fi art you know um we're definitely into like a more diy punk metal aesthetic yeah it definitely comes off like something like out of yeah. the like the kind of like early 80s kind of like oh uh, yeah the, b- before gaming tech- got real slick crazy colored yeah 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 it's um i i i was sold on that when i saw it and then they've written a, a talisman ish type game it's 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 it looks like inspired heavily by talisman without being talisman it has some has some tongue-in-cheek humor in it. Did you see the the first two characters that are going to get unlocked? No. New characters. The uh, the uh, um, one of them is called the Witch Smeller. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And he's got he's like wearing one of this uh, one of those long Venetian plague masks, and he's out there smelling for them witches. I I, I, I like that a lot. Um, and and it looks fun. It looks like a fun kind of uh, simple medium complexity board game. That is just gonna be good for hanging out with your chums and you know putting on some uh, some Slayer tracks in the background and and playing playing a board game and drinking maybe a pint or two you know while you do it. Sure, sure. Uh, the it's the the barrier to entry is pretty low, right? Yeah, surprisingly, it has a pretty low barrier, and you can actually get the cool like posters and stuff pretty cheap too in there. Yeah, like when you consider that, like you go to the game store nowadays, and it's like a board game costs like eighty or one hundred and fifty bucks, and people don't don't flinch at that at all. Um, like Silver Tower, I keep for for uh, Games Workshop. I, I keep thinking about picking up a copy of that. And it's like one hundred fifty dollars, and um, the uh, Hand of Doom is gonna set you back. I think it's like seventy seven if you get the expanded one. We get like a bunch of patches and posters and a bunch of other shit. It's only fifty five if you just buy the game, right? Yep. yep. And that's, I mean, that's like in terms of board games these days, that's practically free, right? Yeah, that is cheaper. And then and then I'm also following another Kickstarter right now, Ambrosia. Mm, yeah, go go ahead. You can you can tell everybody about that. You're not you're not a fan <laughs> of this one, are you? No, homie, I'm passing on Ambrosia. I don't know. It's 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 um, it reminds me of like like Aqualar or one of those other games where like like it's sort of like a historical period game, but instead of focusing on like the religious overtones and the sort of like the that that game focused on, it focused on like weird folk folklore. All right, look. Here's the thing, like, we 
we we felt like our friend Justin got kind of dealt a a, a bad hand by by the the review that their his Kickstarter got on Ten Cars Tavern, right? We 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 didn't necessarily agree with what we saw written on Ten Cars Tavern. Yeah. So I I, I feel like I shouldn't sit here and, and and put somebody on blast having just read their Kickstarter. All right. Maybe you're seeing something in that Kickstarter that I'm not. But I just felt like the first image that you see is this cool, gr- grim, dark kind of like folklore looking wizened old lady and shit, right? And you're like, ooh, this is kind of creepy and disturbing. And then you scroll down, and it's like these kind of computer-generated like cheesecake pictures of like cute lady wizards, you know? Like like mystic- <laughs> mystical lady wizards and mystical lady elves. And I'm like... Yeah, I got to like, say ah. that, that that part wasn't necessarily like the greatest. However... With the pitch, I thought, you know, I hope that, that that's not what it ends up being like. And I don't think, I don't, I, I mean, we'll yeah. see. I'm I currently, mean, I'm currently, ple- I'm not saying I'm definitely going to pledge it. I'm currently following it. I'm currently okay, pledged. Okay, I see what you're But saying. I might back out, you know, it's like, it's like one yeah. of those things where I'm like, you know, who knows, but I'm, but, it, but I'm I, following I, it right now. I pulled out of Red Markets at the very last second. I think it's because I was broke, but I mean, I didn't, I wasn't able to get it. So I understand exactly where you're at with that. You yeah. following anything, Amanda? You tracking anything? No, I'm not a big Kickstarter person. Well, I, mean, I mean, I should be because I've uh, I've missed out on some cool stuff. We but. always talk about Kickstarters here, but you don't have to be. Like, I mean, is there anything else? Is there like a, a like a D and D module coming out or anything that you're interested in? Uh, I've been getting back into comics, actually. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> I love Weren't you my just comics. talking about getting I'll, a box? I'll at, pray like, for you, Drews. Yeah, I talked about it for like two minutes, and then I'm not doing <laughs> you it. and John, and and you were like, man, if you want any titles too, like. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I'm not gonna do it. All right. Okay. I, I, I got okay. White Dwarf. They sent you like a free. There was a free copy of their new their new Space Marine comic book, in the latest White Dwarf. And I read it while I was sitting on the crapper. And I was like, Hey, this isn't bad. I could get this on a monthly basis and read about these Space Marines being like, you know, we must cleanse this planet with bolter and flame. You know, I was like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, okay, I get to read that. And then I'm like, and then I started thinking about it. I'm like, really? I'm like, I get the little bags and the little boards and I'm going to put them in a box. I'm going to seal them away in my closet. Ah, when, fuck that. When you're reading the comic, are there all these like, like um like scenes where they're not in their armor and then they're like they're, like glistening chests are like no like holding each other no like, it was like Spartan brothers should it, well oh dear this is this wasn't a Horace Heresy novel that's what you're asking <laughs> nice all right we're gonna take a little break right here and then when we come back we're gonna get to the subject at hand which is we're gonna crack open that mail bag so we'll see you in a second. Welcome back. And we are now into the second half of our show. 
We're about to get to the all-important mailbag. I'm sure everybody is really stoked to hear what our questions are and what our uh, 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 knowledgeable guests here have to uh, say about them. But first, before we get to that, I just want to do a couple quick shout-outs to some FMRPG homies around the world. The first one is going to be to our good friends at Coliseum Rex in Sunderland. Uh, Full Mail RPG does not have a sponsor. We do not accept money from anybody. We go to work like regular schmoes, regular jobs. Everything that we do here, we do for the love, and it comes out of our bank accounts every month. But I just feel necessary to call out Coliseum Rex and its proprietor, Jamie Smith, on this show because of how steadfast he's been in support of the show and in support of everything that we do here. So, he's a great guy. I'm very proud to call him a friend. And I am absolutely certain that if I was in the United Kingdom, I would be at his shop on a regular basis. Because everything I know about Jamie says that he's a great gamer, he's a great guy, and I'm absolutely certain that he runs a hell of a shop. He's a fucking talented rider to boot. So get your asses up to Coliseum Rex in Sunderland and... Hold down the counter there and ask Jamie some questions about Vampire the Masquerade, for Christ's sake. And see if you can get into his uh, one of his vampire games, because the stuff that he writes for his vampire games is fucking ridiculous, off the chain. Um, he also runs a lot of magic up there, so if that's your thing, uh, go there for that. And he is the uh, UK distributor, European, I think, distributor for uh, Shadows of Estrin. And if you have Shadows of Estrin needs, go to Jamie, uh, hit him up. You can find him on Facebook. Uh, you can get in touch with him real easily. Uh, he will help you out with getting some shadows of Esther. And that's not just for the UK. That's also for the greater European Union. Um, as Amanda previously mentioned, we have the Arizona Game Fair coming up in January here in Arizona. I think that's what, 21st? January 21st? 21st and 22nd. January 21st, 22nd, Arizona Game Fair. Um our, our good friends and uh, FM RPG homies, uh, Richard and uh, Daryl, are um, involved in that. And uh, they're looking for some GMs. And they're going to actually be coming on the show next time to talk not only about the projects that they are personally working on, but about their involvement in the Arizona Game Fair. Now, what that Game Fair is, is it's going to be a giant room full of open play board games. Just like oh, there's going to be a game library there with literally, literally hundreds of board games you'll be able to check out and then play at a table. Um, and then Daryl and Richard are putting together uh, uh, something like they said, like 132 hours or something of um, tabletop RPG programming. So if you're in Arizona, if you're one of our Arizona listeners and you're looking for something to do in January, which let's face it, you probably will be because there's nothing to do in January. <laughs> Um, or if maybe you live in one of the adjoining states, such as California or New Mexico or Nevada, <laughs> Nevada, um, <laughs> you can come on down and enjoy the game fair with us. I think the FMRPG, whether Amanda chooses to run something or not, FMRPG will be on site. We will be there Woo! Be, and we'll be podcasting and, uh, I may just be running something. So if you'd like to come down and get a game with us. We hope to see you at the Arizona Game Fair in January. And uh, the last thing is is that Richard, he runs another little event in conjunction with the uh, Arizona Game Fair called Gamer Happy Hour. 
and he does that here in Arizona at Boulders on Southern. If you're one of our Phoenix Metro listeners, consider coming out. That's this Friday, the 21st, starting at 5 p.m. And it's a great bar. Great bar. Great selection, great food. The one on Southern, not the one on Broadway. The one on Southern, however, over there in Mesa. I'm going to be there, plus a bunch of other FMRPG regulars. Cast members will be there. I'll be there. Um, the Warlord Amanda is going to be there, for fuck's sake. And she'll be drinking. She'll, oh, she'll, yeah. She'll be drinking. Uh, who <laughs> knows? I might choose to break my uh, my fast and have and have a have a have some frosty suds. <laughs> who knows? Who knows what you will see when you get there? So um, if you're a gamer in the Phoenix Metro area, you want to come down, uh, interact with some other great guys, because I've gone to this before, and I can, and I can, I can vouch for this event. Good people will be there. It's run by good people. It's run for good people. Um, you might just want to come down, talk about games, blow off some steam, complain about your group, complain about your GM, whatever. And uh, I think that Jim Miller may be there, and if so, he'll probably bring something to play. Uh, we hope to see you there. Think about it. Uh, and now we will get to... Mailbag. The dark work at hand, my friends. Sound. Yeah. Ding dong. What the fuck? I think we need chugga chugga guitars. Yeah. What the fuck is a ding dong sound? Jesus. Jesus Lord. And more like, bad. <laughs> Dude, I'm. Oh my God. You, you, there, we, there we go. You, you, right. you, you, fun with audio, Ben. Fun <laughs> with audio. Um, all right. So the first question is from a, uh, a new friend of ours uh, who recently moved to the Valley. Uh, our friend Christopher who's over on the west side, and he, he, he wants to know what we have to... I'm just going to paraphrase what he wrote. and I'm, he, he wants to kind of know what our thoughts are on the um, r- rumors coming out of White Wolf about the New World of Darkness stuff. Now, um, as I said previously, Adam and I are going to be doing an entire episode about the Grey Masquerade video, and we're going to be dissecting it with, with, with the, the razor-like keen intellects that you've come to expect from us on this show. <laughs> so, uh, I don't want to devote too much time to this, uh, but we will, but, but because Christopher's a homie and um, want to answer his question, anybody have any thoughts? What are your thoughts on the rumors coming out of White Wolf about the New World Darkness shit? My understanding is is that like the stuff I've looked at says it takes, it, it picks the story up right before Gehenna. Interesting. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, I don't know how that's going to actually work out, whether, like, what they previously wrote for Gehenna, who knows what's on the table there. What what they wrote for Gehenna was a toolbox anyway, so, I mean, it's it's, it's essentially a moot point. That stuff's a moot point. True. Uh, Well, some of it was, some of it wasn't, right? Because, like, some of the Antiluvian's death were actually written as part of, like, the coming event. Right. Right. I don't know. I, I I um I'm not super familiar with. It. I haven't actually watched the video yet. I've just done some like like uh, trolling on some forums for rumors at this point. And, That's all um, good. Let's go. What, what, are your, what are your thoughts? Lay them on a stream beam. What do you got? I, I have some thoughts myself. Do you want me to kind of warm the table? Yeah, up here go a right. Bit? Go for it. Go for it. All right. So um, and I'll chime in as uh, as you say stuff that like sort of. These are some things that I took from the from my first run of the video, which I haven't even watched it completely. Okay. Um, I just kind of skimmed it. First, the first thing is is that is that uh, Martin Erickson has promised us Vampire Fifth Edition. They're calling it Fifth Edition now in winter of winter. Jesus, that just sounds so far the fuck away. 
uh, winter of 2018. So um, it's like a year and a couple months. It's not that far. Yeah, they have only after owning the property and doing the experiments that they've done with it. Uh, they only just started writing it this month. It's um, probably a good sign, actually, right? Because it's a new property for them that they own it, and they're probably spending a lot of time like, like really familiarizing themselves with it. So yeah, I mean, I spend. I imagine they're probably spending a lot of time in meetings and like really hashing out a bunch of this shit and kind of getting a like really drawing a bead on what it is that they want to do. Now, interestingly, he says that in winter of this year, well, he didn't say this, but a different guy from White Wolf said this. In winter of this year, there will be two. Mobile, mobile game phone, mobile phone games, mobile phone games being released for World of Darkness in continuity with this new material that's coming out that will serve as prequels to the actual release of the role-playing books. Uh, that's, um... That sounds weird as shit. It does... Well, okay, so so two things, right? Like, in terms of, like like, electronic properties for White Wolf... Right, like people love that. I actually never played it, but people loved Bloodlines as a game, right? People, I seem to remember everybody at the time liked it. They liked what it, what the what it did with the story. Um, yeah, I mean, okay, it has a it has a cult. It maintains a cult still. Exactly. I, I was watching some gameplay videos of it and basically wanting to like gouge out my own eyes. Uh, at this point, it's what like like uh, like a decade and a half old or something. So, and it really highlights what I consider to be some of the worst excesses of the of the third edition revised era. Mm. That's just me. Yeah, I, and I, I didn't like the game. Yeah, well, I never liked the focus on a lot of like the the weird signature characters I didn't like anyway. <laughs> yeah, uh, but 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 that's 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 whatever. The second thing is the fact that they're they're coming out with phone games, and those things are just fucking like seem to be vehicles for microtransactions to sort of like bleed people dry. So I can't I can't necessarily say that I'm like super excited for anybody coming out with a phone game. Well, when they were talking about their their multimedia outlook, what they want is they want to cast a super wide net with the World of Darkness properties. They're, they're, the scope of their ambition is huge. Not only did Martin Erickson say that he wanted, this is another kind of like, I guess, rumor, he wants Vampire to be hyper-visible. The way that it's kind of retreated into this into this weird corner of the internet where everybody just like has forgotten that it existed. I mean, we'd like one of the hottest, most powerful role-playing properties of the 1990s has essentially been allowed to wither on the vine to this thing that looks like a fucking raisin. They, they want to compete with Watsi and they want to compete with like... The other Paizo. companies out there, yeah, they, yeah. they want it to be like a, like a flagship property again. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and they also want it to have a pervasive brand name that influences a lot of different things besides just a role-playing game. Like, for instance, and this is an interesting corollary to, to Wargaming, but <clears throat> there's guys who just sit around reading Warhammer novels. They don't own a single model. They don't play any of the games. They just read Warhammer novels. And these guys want to write uh, vampire novels. They want vampire novels to be out on the shelf, people talking about them, you know. And then they want to be doing video games. They want to be doing TV. They want to be doing uh, role-playing games. They want to be doing other stuff, too. So they're talking about casting a very, very large net. And I think that saying, like, well, I mean, obviously mobile games are going to be part of that. That's just the way things are. We're in the post-Pokemon Go, like, era now, you know. No, it's true. Yeah, but that doesn't sound good to me as far as the gaming aspect. Because if you if you spread yourself too thin, you everything's just going to be shit. 
I mean, I, I, I feel like right now, um, well, that, that's a bad example. I feel like right now, um, Games Workshop is spread across a number of different media um, types, and I think they're having a very, very high level of um, of output with their licensing. Yeah, they're actually licensing their properties to other companies to, to develop stuff, though. Right, right. They're not developing themselves. Both of these uh, prospective winter phone games are going to come from Paradox. They're, they've been done in-house. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting. That's, I mean, I, you know, being a phone game, it'll probably be free except for microtransactions, so probably easy to check out. Does Pokemon Go have microtransactions? It does, yes. but... um. But uh, it's it's actually a, uh, one of the few games where it's very easy not to get sort of like sucked into the microtransactions when you you just go out and hunt stuff. You know, it's not like a big deal. You see, when it hit, uh, Heather was being like, "Oh, hey, you want to play this?" And I was like, "No, I have no interest in this whatsoever." And 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 people, you know, th- there was that weird moment where everybody was like, like people were like railing against it on the internet. All these like <laughs> churls like came out of the woodwork to like shake their canes at Pokemon Go, like, "Yeah, get off my lawn," type shit, you know. And I was like, and that just, despite the fact that I had no interest in playing it, that negative, the, that resentment of people who were enjoying the game struck me as being completely like uh, baseless and just out of nowhere. Um, I remember saying to Heather at the time, like, I know I have no interest in playing Pokemon Go, but if there was, I, this is what I said, I said, if there was, say, a vampire game. It was it was the same thing. We had to go around town, and you had to like look up the phone, and there were going to be like geosync locations that would like have like a Sabbat symbol would like would like show up, and so that meant that you were in Sabbat territory or something. And then there were like you had to go hunt for blood points, and you had to get power points or something. I don't know what you'd be trying to do. I'm not a video game developer. These are not the questions that like I would be good at answering. However, if such a thing existed, an augmented reality cell phone game that allowed me to immerse myself in the world of darkness, I'd totally be down. I'd be, I'd be out there playing probably right now instead of doing this podcast. So I, per, I personally am kind of excited. Well, so I love The Matrix. The first movie is still my favorite movie, and I was so excited for the Matrix MMO. Yeah. Yeah, Oof. that was a piece of shit. Oof, was it? So just because you're excited for something and you can think of all these cool concepts for it doesn't mean that's what it's going to be. Didn't certain people like that, though? Didn't people really like that game? No, I don't, I, I don't think anybody liked that game because I think it died in like a month and a half. It was bad. Oh, it was really that fast? It was so bad. And I love I mean the matrix <laughs> i don't think they officially shut down the servers for a while after that but i mean it was pretty much dead did you guys ever see that video of them shutting down the servers where's like the 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 the, the uh, armageddon the apocalypse the matrix apocalypse Mm-mm. it's pretty interesting <clears throat> anyway something to look up on youtube okay and i really doubt that the vampire game would be that format anyway the well, an MMO? Po- the Pokemon Go searching oh. format. Well, they showed some screenshots, and I don't I don't know if I quite. I, I think it might be like a little mystery game that you play that has to do with text messages or something. It's kind of how it looks. I play a lot of phone games, and none of them really, you know, are like, oh yeah, that game. You know you, what you I mean? Know, I played one once when I very forgot my very first cell phone. That was um, that's like kind of like eight bit pixely looking thing. And it was like it, it, it was like it was almost like Wolfenstein, 
you like went through this castle and you had to like fight these little monsters in this maze that were in front of you. I think it was called Dungeon Maze or something stupid. Anyway, I love that game. That's but that's the only one I've ever loved. It's been a, oh uh, that one where you run and collect the coins. <coughs> that was pretty good too. <laughs> I guess um, I I played Pokemon Go and I played I still play Hearthstone quite a bit. Um, which is just a computer port to the phone. I was going to say, that's not really a phone game. No, it's a computer port to the phone, which is functions the exact same as the one on the computer. Um, I don't know. Like to me, I, no, I've, you know, and I've actually, I've actually like downloaded old final fantasies for my phone and played those too. Um, so I guess I see what the possibility is there. If it was like final fantasy, the vampire game on the phone, kind of, that could be kind of good. You're kind of good, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not. So, I'm so not following is, you there. This is this is what I see. I see them trying to appeal to too many people. It's 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 like it's like it's like the D and D fourth edition, or when when WoW got rid of the hardcore end game content and. They wanted to appeal to more people. And, you know, WoW ended up still going on and being successful. But, I mean, 4th edition D&D was horrible. People, I mean, mm. that's probably the, the worst D&D edition was 4th edition. And that's because they they wanted to appeal to more people. So they, like, dumbed it down. I'm just, I just fear that that's what's going to happen with this. I mean, I mean, I see what they're trying to do, right? Like, they want to, they, if they, if they want to compete on level with, with uh, these other games, then on some level they have to they have to find a way to sort of enter uh, the consciousness of like new and old gamers at the same time. Well, and they're they're the talking f- about not even gamers though. I mean, sure, but, sure. But, well, what's going on right now in 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 the actual world is that gaming is entering into the consciousnesses of people who have never gamed before, like Stranger Things, right, and like other things that have sort of been about like gaming. I saw an article today that was like uh, it was seventy year olds being taught to play Dungeons and Dragons in a nursing home or something, and they were like having a blast. These are people who were in their forties when the Satanic Panic was going on, and they must be sitting here playing this Dungeons and Dragons game and thinking, "What was the big deal?" You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean. The popularity of the hobby. I saw a tweet just today. I saw a tweet that said, um, I can't believe I waited until I was 28 years old to start playing Dungeons and Dragons. And I mean, this is a person who was like eight or, or Jesus, oh God, were they even born when we started? I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even want to think about it. Let's not think about that. But um, like more people are playing than ever. There is a possibility that this thing could turn into a real actual hobby that people just do. You know? That's great and wonderful. However, that's not what it sounds like they're doing with this vampire. If they want to, we want to be in all of these different medias and and we have these grandiose schemes that, you know, we want to become a household name. You don't become they a household. They definitely want that. You don't become a household name by being an actual hardcore RPG game. I mean, not. I don't. You, see you don't. It. You don't feel like Dungeons and Dragons has done like an incredible. You see, because Dungeons I, I, and Dragons, I, I, when it first came out and stuff, was not a household name. It's only recently become that way because of all the retro, well, you the, know, throwback stuff. The uh, original Dungeons and Dragons, like 
run was uh, back in the eighties. It, it had a huge, it had a huge surge of popularity. Where they, they made like beach towels and like like all kinds of like they weird, were in Boys Life magazine. Yeah, they, they, they were. They were in all sorts of like weirdly affiliated like licensed products. I mean, the the, the first the first AD and D kind of like fad was huge. It was absolutely huge. And you were you were saying that fourth E was an attempt to like permeate pop culture that was that was a failure and i would actually contend that that fourth e wasn't a, a an attempt to capture new gamers as much as an attempt to recapture old gamers that they had lost to mmos because you and i were both playing in the same stores we were playing in the same games in the summer of wow when when 3.5 was a thing and the game and and, and wow hit and game stores emptied out they just emptied out, and all the fucking game store proprietors were standing around, like, shell-shocked, looking around, like, what the fuck just happened? Because business just tanked. And it slowly came back, and slowly came back. But I think that when Watsy made 4th E, they were like, oh, the writing's on the wall. People don't want to play traditional fantasy games. They want to play things with, like, strictly delineated character roles. They want to play things that are very tactical. And so they tried to write a video game that was actually a tabletop game and people rejected it and it wasn't until 5th where they where they sat down and were like let us return to the roots of traditional gaming and now we find that Dungeons and Dragons is exploding all over the place and they are branching out into other multimedia Sure. Right? There's a new D and D movie that they're actually like, oh, like a good one this time. That they're oh, saying it better be a good like one. Like it's not going to be a piece of <laughs> shit like that Jeremy Irons one was. Oh man, that, you know. Oof. But D and D has had its solid foundation. That's true. They're not. They're not bursting. I mean, yes, the old vampire was solid, but then they went away, and that foundation kind of got worn away there at that uh, point. Now, I cannot argue with and that. And now even they're a they're bit. bursting on the scene, and I think they're they're. They're being too ambitious. It's a war on too many fronts, well, is what you're saying. Here's the thing. I mean, the fact that they're releasing phone games, like it, it, if if those if those phone games are bad, what does that bode for like like the success of their line? You know, I mean, what are, what are we talking? If those games are like horrid, and there's a good possibility they will be as a phone game, right? Because there's so many phone games being made all the time, and like how many of them are actually good, right? Um. If if they're if they're horrid, does that mean that like they they they're just gonna lose so many potential players? Like, what's gonna happen? What does that mean? I don't know. It it seems like a yeah. huge gamble. Yeah. Well, yes, yeah, so we'll see. I mean, there's there's really no way to know until it happens. I am choosing to look at this as a positive development. Um. For too long, I feel like the they've allowed the the I keep using this analogy, but they keep they just allowed the fruit to wither on the vine. I mean, they took they took a a property that was beating D and D at its own game, and then they just retreated back into the shadows and 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 on this this preposterous idea that they were going to like change the gaming economy, and instead they've just kind of fostered this 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 uh disappearing um sort of like phantom phantom group of kind of faceless online gamers which it's my understanding that google hangouts got shut down like a google hangouts got like turned off so if you were like a, a the kind of person who's running an online game using google hangouts which i mean i saw that interface it was very very good for 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 gaming 
You can't even use it anymore. It's like, and even in, in D and D four, when they were getting ready to launch D and D four, the whole idea of that was like, if it was pushing, online. yeah, it was like pushing towards this virtual technology where the maps were all going to be online, the monsters were like D and D minis. They were going to have like fully rendered D and D minis you could like drop onto the map so that you could play it online. It's like this whole idea that we're like pushing everything on online. I mean, it was just a fucking dead end, and 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 White Wolf and Onyx Path are late to the game in like getting out of that. You know what I'm saying? To be totally honest, like 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 Erickson, he's like he's like he's like he's like we're now is the time. Now is the time for role playing. Winter 2018, we're hitting the we're hitting the the nail on the head. And I'm like thinking, Winter 2018 is like fucking two years from now, dude. Like like fucking where is my shit now? You know, like they, I feel like they're already missing the mark. You know, it's pretty funny to say that now is the time, but we'll have it two years. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Ben's right. It's more like 18 months, but yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, I don't know. What do you think is really responsible for all the like, all the like gaming entering into the public consciousness again? Uh, Millennials, man. Millennials are, okay, here's, here's my theory. Here's my little theory. And we can have a little retort to this, and then we can move on to the next question because we're running out of time already. But here's my little theory. In the early 2000s, there were two movie franchises that kind of correlated at the same time, Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter. And the Harry Potter trend had a huge buildup pre-movies, and then the and then when the books ended, the movies still kept going, and that carried the Harry Potter phenomenon went on for something like 10, 15 years, right? And in the middle of it was this huge Lord of the Rings blip, too. And that, the prevalence of those movies in terms of the cultural phenomenon of reading the books, going to the movies, collecting toys, going to Halloween, dressed as Frodo or whatever the fuck, had a huge impact on a generation of millennials who did not see expressions of that type of thinking and that type of creativity as being lame. That's just what everybody was doing. Everybody wanted to see Harry Potter movies. Everybody like read Harry Potter books to their grandparents. Everybody knew about Lord of the Rings. You know, it's not stupid. It's not lame. It wasn't like when we were kids and like, oh, this guy watches Star Wars. This this fucking faggot watches Star Wars. Let's get him. You know, I mean, what that, you know, and now those people are consumers who have money and they want something to do with their spare time. And they're like, oh, sure. I'll hang out with you and pretend I'm a dwarf and we're going to hunt a dragon. <laughs> Why the fuck not? That sounds like I mean, millennials just as people are very open and understanding. They're just they're generally very kind. They're not like they're not kind of like weirdly vicious in the way like other generations have been. They're not they're not hard people, you know. So when you say to them, "I'd like to I'd like to gather at my house and we can all imagine a story together," and the story will be about elves. They go okay. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, like, if I was, if like five, five, ten years ago, if I said the exact same thing to a different group of people, they'd be like, "Fuck you!" and like <laughs> punch you right in the face, you know. So, like, now is the time as this generation is kind of entering into adulthood for this entire hobby 
to move generation, generationally with it and kind of like take its place as like an American pastime rather than just like something the kids do. You know, mm-hmm. in the same way that comic books in like the 80s and the 90s went from being something the kids do to something that, that adults do. Adults go to comic shops. Adults collect comics. Adults go to comic cons and direct out, dress up as Wolverine. Now that's not <laughs> weird anymore. That's not I weird. I love it. I love it. You know? Same thing's happening to role playing. That's my theory. Retort. That's a good theory. No, I, I like your theory. Um, but, you know... It, it sort of suggests that the the vehicle to get into this consciousness, it, 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 it's it's that like fantasy gaming made it there. Can other types of gaming do the same thing? I don't know. Absolutely, absolutely. Why not? But do they need a similar vehicle, like a similar set of movies, or can they ride on the coattails of the fantasy gaming? Well, I think they can ride on the coattails of a generation that's got a more open mind. Yeah, I mean, really. What we learn is from our parents. Like my mom, I mean, what you're talking about here about, you know, the the more openness. Growing up as a baby, I was taken to science fiction conventions and stuff. My mom played D&D. So to me, it was always natural and normal. And I never got the, the oh, you're just a big fucking dork, you know, or don't, don't, you know, worship Satan kind type of weird Mm. so i mean i know that that's there but it's not really something i think about because i was raised that all this was normal sure sure no i see that um it, i don't know i i feel like for for those of us who grew up sort of in the 90s right vampire captured like a certain time in a certain place for us you know, a certain like a certain way of feeling, kind of like I don't know, and some little outsiders that like I, I just don't know. I just I just don't know if you can get to the same place that we want to go to through this other vehicle. Well, you're talking about the gothic punk aesthetic, and the gothic punk aesthetic is over. There's no such thing as outsiders anymore. However, gothic horror is always coming back around. Gothic horror comes back around once every ten to twenty years, and it has been ever since it was invented. And it, like it'll go through low cycles and then it'll go through high cycles. So gothic horror, like vampires, ghosts, this shit, it's always on its way back. If if, if you're ever watching it go away, that means you just have to look over your shoulder to see it coming back around. Okay, I, I hope I, you're right because I, I love I love it. So I, I I've lived through the worm turning on gothic horror something like three times in my short life already. I'm not worried about gothic horror. I mean, you got to remember, Gothic Horror was huge in the 80s with the Anne Rice. It's huge in the 90s with, like, the sort of occult revival of the 90s. And now it's it's big. It's getting big again with, like, the kind of, like, the... Oh, it, it, it's big right now with, like, the... With the uh, focus on, like, kind of, like, new goth music and mysticism and occultism and witchcraft. People love witches right now. That's the thing. <laughs> All right, next question. <coughs> Daryl asks, what's been your most entertaining botched role. I'll start. The best botched role I ever saw was in a game I was running for Pathfinder. It was, uh, we were doing Council of Thieves, and our buddy Young Dustin, who's been on this show once, um, and is just a great guy, and just always tries so hard, and this relates to what we were talking about previously. He was playing a bard, 
and he was just trying so hard to make this thing work. And the idea was is that he wasn't playing like a bard who carries a lute or anything. He was playing like this rabble rouser in a um in a in a in a, in a city that was an evil city, right? And he was trying to like like get this the have the have the people rise up to take the city back, make it a good city again, because it made a good city once a long time ago. And um and that was his bardic thing was kind of getting <laughs> people fired up, right? Now Pathfinder is intensely mechanical, so he was always trying to fiddle with it mechanically to like to like get his to get it to work, so that he wouldn't just die immediately in a in a in a uh, fight because. All of his powers and shit were for like playing a lute to get people excited, and he wanted to be kind of like more like a little bit of an Errol Flynn swashbuckler. I think seventh seventh seat probably would have been a little more better for him, because mm. he wanted to kind of get in there and like show it, show those evil bastards what was what. Anyway, um, this never worked out. He was always <laughs> getting his ass kicked. <laughs> like every time he would like rush in against some evildoers, they just like they just like punch him across the face, and he'd double over, and you know, people would have to heal him. Anyway. He was really diligent with his character, despite the fact that he was being constantly demoralized and playing it. And um, he got this magical sword. He f- I can't think he found it. It was like a it was an item drop in a dungeon or something. I can't remember where it came from. He was really proud of it. He loved this fucking magic sword. And we were playing with the uh, Pathfinder Critical Failure decks, which if you don't have one, I highly recommend picking one up because it just takes all that like blase kind of like oh I rolled a one like oh you miss or Oh, you hit the guy next to you, or oh, you hit yourself, and you, and you know how boring that becomes when you're, when you're, especially when you're in a very long combat, as 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 happens in D and D, and you're and you're just kind of sitting there rolling dice mindlessly, like a st- st- statistics creating monkeys or something, you know, the 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 critical miss deck. It just really spices things up because it tells you something that happens rather than just like being like oh you miss right. So Dustin. And the party um, encountered this group of evil monks at the end of a pier. All right, these are like this is, this is like a gang of they're like a gang, they're like a street gang, but they're all monks. Okay, and they're, and they're evil monks. And um, <laughs> I swear to God, man, Dustin, he can't fucking win. So they rush out onto this pier. So they're over water to to meet them, and um, the <laughs> and he rolls to attack the monks, one of them. And uh, he rolls a one, and then with the critical hits deck, you have to. It, it, it had like this reverse critical that you had to confirm the critical fail. So he confirmed the critical fail, but then he then rolled the hit just again, and he failed. So it's a critical fail. So we pulled the, the card off, and it says, um, "It says the weapon flies out of your hand, right?" And you have to roll a die, and it tells you what direction it rolls in. And then, and then it, you roll another die. It tells you how far it goes, right? So we roll the die, and he, he throws his fucking sword out into the lake. He's like trying to hit this guy, and his sword is just like, whoo, like, like out into the lake, gone forever. You know, and you should see doesn't. He's just so crestfallen as he watches his sword, his magical sword they love so much, like just like flinging out into the abyss and then I'm like okay now the monk goes and the monk has like a million attacks or something and he just like he seriously just does like this like Bruce Lee set of moves on Dustin and Dustin crumples to the ground <laughs> like in the negatives people are like at that point people are like having to like retreat you know like because they didn't want his character to die so that's my story 
That's my, I, I'll never forget <laughs> that one, man. That was just that one. That's was just, awesome. That was just. I love good. that one. That one's really and, good. And speaking of magical swords, aha! Uh-huh. That that would bring me to my favorite botched D and D game I was running, which we've mentioned before on on the show. Oh where yeah. Heather the cleric, not girlfriend Heather. Right. Different Heather. Different Heather entirely. A nature cleric that loved to use the firebomb spell. Flame, Flame strike. strike. Flame strike. Sorry. <laughs> We're fighting these nature creatures that swallow you. And we have a character um, played by Greg who he would make builds. That's what he would call them. Yeah. yeah I, 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 I want to sort of interject here just for a second and say that, like, that like uh, it was sort of a high level game. I mean, it was higher level. Yeah. And Greg, and so Greg like was looking at shops. He's like, "I'm gonna make a build that's just gonna rock this game." Tactically speaking. Oh my speaking. god! I know. And so that's what he set out to do. Yeah, and the, he made a. He made a dervish. <laughs> yes. With these two <laughs> magical swords, it, and the character was just ridiculous. There's he it it was a build. So he did yeah, there was the no same. real character involved in this at all. It was just it was just this walking the death machine, right? Yeah, pretty much. The, unfortunately for him, the death machine ended up in one of these huge session one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very first session in one of these huges. They were like flytrap type of of creatures. Yeah, and our nature cleric is there flame striking these things repeatedly, like just various ones and. So she flame strike the one that he's in, I guess, hoping that it would let him go. <laughs> well, I don't think she wanted him to die because we knew <laughs> that he was in there and he was being eaten. And so we were trying to kill the one. Yeah. And so she was like, flame strike. Unfortunately, the way the mechanic worked was that whenever that happened and you were in there, yeah. <laughs> you had the possibility of taking that damage. <laughs> So I was making him make rolls, and I think she she flame struck him like three times. What <laughs> <laughs> she did, I remember that. <laughs> she just kept she just kept and, pouring it on, man. Yeah, and she would see, you know, every time that he had to make these rolls for <laughs> for damage, and she it's like, well, what are you going to do now, Heather? I'm going to do it again. <laughs> it's like, I remember that at one point, wasn't there a character that was like levitating over the monster, and. She, and the way that flame strike was written is it's like a column of flame comes from like directly over the monster. I think it was Jason's character. It was Jason's <laughs> character, and he was and he was making and so so it, it, it this is this is just fucking D and D three point five for you. So he was entitled to a say like a dodge roll, some kind mm-hmm. of save versus dodge roll whenever this thing hit, and um he kept making it right. <laughs> so it's like she kept putting this column of flame that he would dodge the levitating. And then it would hit Greg because he automatically failed because he was inside the monster. Because he was trapped, yeah. Fucking ridiculous. <laughs> um, so the role he did finally botch was for his swords. And both of yeah. them, bam, right there, destroyed. Destroyed. <laughs> Character I, lives, swords die. And and he actually like threw his pencil up in the air and was like, <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so Greg. And then he showed up with another build the next week. Yes. Yeah, yeah. wasn't it like a dwarf scientist or he, some shit? He went through three characters that game. Yeah. Three yeah. freaking... And it wasn't that they died. He just got bored of them. Or something would happen to their equipment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, he did have a psionicist. Greg was not a story gamer. Ben, what you got? All right. So one of my favorites is actually um, from your New Orleans game. Um, this is the uh, Requiem game. Oh, okay. Yeah, I so had to. This is this is when you guys were playing. You which because you you were in both groups, weren't you? No, I wasn't in both groups, but I did watch their group. Oh, uh, okay. So um, you were you the only were, person in both groups was Rosa. Oh, okay. You were you were in the Order Dracul group. I was. This was before we were Order Dracul. Before we figured anything out, so okay. we were humans. And I had come up with this high concept human character, uh, the uh, the sort of like the Indian mystic who was kind of like wealthy, and he was backing like a. Like um like uh, uh cultural digs to sort of like find these mystical artifacts yeah um and uh, a ninja Shrevan I remember Shrevan Sadev yeah Shrevan Sadev and the, the, um, he poses a philanthropist for the university yeah he poses a philanthropist for the university but he had these ulterior motives and um I, somewhere along the way I just got kind of like I just did, I wasn't enjoying it I was like I'm not really liking this character I just want to do something different and so. I talked to Brendan and I was like, yeah, um, I'm not really liking this character. Uh, so if he's going to die, don't worry about it. Like, let's just like, you know, I, we'll figure something out and then I'll bring your character in, you know? Yeah. And um, that, we'd had that talk. And then like, I think maybe like a session or session later, um, we were, his character and or my character and another party character, AJ's character were also sort of problematic for the game in another way Yeah, where we were like, we, uh, we were sort of like more on pace than the rest of the party was. We sort of had an idea of what was going on before anyone else did. And we were sort of trying to investigate all these things that were going on sort of privately. And we had this session where we were trying to investigate something happening at the university. And um, we sort of like, ended up somewhere we shouldn't have been, I remember. Uh-huh. And, oh, um, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, and so and so we have this moment where, like, I'm playing a not-very-athletic character, and, <laughs> and AJ's character is, like, totally athletic. And so we come up with this plan where we're, like, we're going to go on the ceiling tiles or try to, like, hold ourselves up there to try and, like, try and, like, wait all these guys to, like, searching for, you know, st- searching for us ostensibly to, like, filter out and not find us. And um, I'm, like, trying to hold myself up there. And then I botched the roll. <laughs> I crashed out to the ceiling tiles, and uh, and like and like um, I, I try and make my getaway because even though I even though I'm you know I, I want to be sort of truthful to character and I want to try and like and I know I know I'm like gonna die right, if they right, catch right. me, and so like I like I like leap through the second story like like window, break my leg, and try to hobble off. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was it was crazy. I mean because I because I'm I'm not a very athletic character, but I know that I'm gonna die if they catch me. Like it's right, just gonna right. happen. So I can't let them catch me, and so I, I I truly try and play it like like I'm just so desperate that I'm willing to like inflict all this pain on myself to get away, and I fail, and um, and they all catch me. I I'm making my rolls get away, and I'm like failing, yeah, because I'm, I'm, I'm fucking terrible at like athletics and all this other stuff. And uh, that night I ended up in the meatpacking plant, yeah, uh, getting meat packed. Yeah, they, <laughs> they, they 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 turned you into canned meat. Yeah, so, it was a wonderful end for the character. So it was a series of botched rolls. It was a series of botched rolls. Yes, <laughs> yeah. it was. Uh, it was quite quite awesome. I think I failed every roll. It was like it was like I failed to hold myself up. I failed to like go through the window correctly, so I broke my leg, and then I failed to like 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 even like just trying to like get away. <laughs> it, was, it was bad. <laughs> it was bad. But it was it was a but great it sounds, end. Sounds like it was glorious too. Yeah, no, it was a great end for a character. It really I, was. I had forgotten. I have for. 
I remember loving that game so much, but I've forgotten a lot of what happened in it. Thank you for reminding me of that because that was a great game. I enjoyed the shit out of that. You're making me. You're making my heart ache for Vampire right that now. Ga- that Vampire game was. So that game much. was great. That game was really great. Yeah, well, was a really I, fun game. half of it was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So, um, our next question is from Richard, another another half of the Daryl Richard team that we're going to be on, um, in the first week of November, um, talking about Arizona Game Fair. Um, he wants to know what system. Um, have you always wanted to play or run, but I've never been able to get to? Me, 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 me. Go ahead. You start. The one game I've always wanted to play and never, ever, ever. Oh, there's two. But the one that sticks in my craw, I never have gotten a chance to play. Freaking Tank Girl. Wow. Wow. Did not see that coming. Oh, my God. I so wanted for, to play that. So, 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 so first bad. of all, there is a tank girl role playing game. There is, is a tank was, girl role playing. Do you have it? I do. However, it was done through the master masterwork or master deck series. That one that had an actual deck of cards to play with it. Um, really? Yeah. The do game you remember? Re- the game requires a special deck of cards. Yes. And I take it you don't have the deck. No, I'd have to. Well, so probably, those books you, are somewhere in storage. Yeah, I have no idea where the cards are. You could probably play it without the cards, but you could probably just take a bicycle deck and modify them. It was so, I was so excited because you know Tank Girl. First of all, I like Tank Girl. Tank Girl's great. And then it had this like whole big table of useless skills that you could roll on that you know would could actually be useful and, and weren't you just saying you didn't like being like having your character be a pig farmer weren't you just well, saying it, that it's not a background thing it's just a useless skill oh and how is a useless skill not part of your background explain to me how one is different from the other mm, it doesn't you clearly picked up this useless skill at some point doing well, just something. because you picked it up doesn't mean it's what you are uh, anyway go ahead so and then it had, um, I had never really seen this before. It had a whole a whole thing about when you got hit, you did these rolls to figure out like where you got hit exactly mm-hmm. and stuff. And I was just like, oh, it looks so cool. I never got to play it. I would sit there and I'd write little stories for it and I'd flip through the book all sad and like, oh, never, never. What the got fuck, to play man? It. Why don't you just get it out of storage and run it for a game fair? <laughs> Well, I'd have to find it. It's in store. Dude, I'm, I guarantee you that there would be people who'd be interested in playing that. Maybe not the game fair, but 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 at the very least, next year's crit hit. The other one is Conan. I have so many of those freaking the Conan. The D21. Yes. You never ran that? I never ran it. I, <laughs> I thought for sure you were going to say ElfQuest. I really did. I thought for sure you were going to be like, the game I really want to play is ElfQuest. It was Tank Girl. I wanted to play Tank Girl so bad, and I never did. All right. All right. All right, all right Ben. Well, we should get, first of all, next year at Crit Hit, I challenge you to run Tank Girl at Crit Hit. I challenge you. Ben. I, ben. I had one that was on my radar for a long time, um, and I actually didn't even know it existed as a game. I was always thinking about running it anyway, um, and that was Hawkmoon, right? Because I, oh, love, yeah, I love Morcock, like, like, and, and the, 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 the Hawkmoon world is super sweet. And I'm 12. He just said, I love more. I know. I yeah, know. I'm there right there with I do you. love more cock. All right. Whoa. I love more cock. More cock is, is great. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Good. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So, so Hawkmoon was, was always like a, it sounded like it would be a wonderful game. 
And um, I had discovered that they actually did make a box set for the old Chaosium Elric, Elric game, uh, which is called Stormbringer at first and later called Elric. Uh, so I actually had purchased that recently. So it's off my to-own list, and now it needs to be on my to-run list. Um, and uh, I'm actually thinking about running that at the next crit hit. Um, that's 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 on I, just because I think it's a great sort of like like a game that uh, I think can be very evocative and fun. Nice, nice. Well, so, maybe for the next crit hit, we could all run something, and then have like a little survey for our players afterwards, like a point system, and then have a winner. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I suck. No, um, and the the other one that's on my radar right now, which I think you and I were just talking about. Is SLA Industries? Ah, yeah, that's, that's one sort of those, like a new one. That's a new yeah, one on your list. It's one of those games where, like, you know, I'd seen it on the shelves years ago. Oh yeah, it used to be ubiquitous. It used to be everywhere. Indeed. And and um, it wasn't until and I I always sort of ignored it, and it wasn't until a recent Kickstarter for the like uh, miniatures game or whatever, right? Where I was like, all right, I think that this game could be kind of cool. That I started trying to find a copy of the original game, and I've been looking now in a couple different places and specifically also ebay and um for the last like few months there's been two copies of the original rules up on ebay one is 150 dollars, which i'm not buying and the other one is like 25 or 30 dollars and it's just totally thrashed like it looks like it's oh, like, fuck that. yeah it's like it's like not even in really in a book form it's like like it looks like handouts almost at this point oh. uh, no it's, it's 30 thrashed. bucks jesus yeah. Um, and, and I can buy as a PDF, um, but I'm not going to do that cause I just don't find I use PDFs all that well. Yeah, I prefer I the him. book. I hate them. So I'm just waiting to find this book. And if I do, I'd be happy because it seems like all the other books are easy to find for this game. It's just the core book. That's kind of a pain in the ass. So anyway, that's where I'm at with games I want to run and games I want to play in. So I, uh, I'm just going to hit, hit this real quick. Um, the first role-playing game I ever owned was given to me by my parents for Christmas. It was a Christmas slash birthday present. It was the uh, FASA Star Trek game. <laughs> and, oh, nice. Nice. <laughs> and um, I loved it so much. I loved it. Uh, and, and the college town that I grew up in, I grew up in this little tiny small town, and um, there were these little modules. I bought a ton of little modules for it. Um, and then... As I became a gamer later on, I kind of like, I went through this period that you do when you're like a teenager in your early college years where you're kind of like really into like much more glamorous things, you know, and I was like, oh, um, I'm into vampire and I'm into the slick role playing and fuck, fuck this old facet game. And I got rid of my box set. I got rid of my box set. I know, heartbreaking, right? It's like it's like this tale of like giving away your childhood innocence. And um, then just this last year, I was at Bookman's in Mesa, and I found a mint copy of the of the deluxe, the same one I got for Christmas that year, deluxe, uh, FASA Star Trek: The Role Playing Game with unpunched cardboard wow. ship tokens on the inside unpunched and it was like i mean it's mint it's like fucking nearly nmn you know or whatever the fuck um nib is what i mean and so i have it 
I have it. I've, I've flipped through the rule books. The rule books, it's funny. Somebody had been storing it on their side for like years, just sitting in a, in a shelf somewhere. It's in better condition than the one I had when I was in fucking fourth grade or whatever because <laughs> that one, I was a little kitten. I carried around me and the, the fucking corners got all dog-eared and ripped up and shit. This one's like mint. Somebody had been sitting on its side, so all the books are bent, you know? <laughs> I was like flipping through. It's got that like really old, old-school book type feel to it, but if anybody wants to play... I'll run Star Trek for you fuckers. I'll run. Star- I'll play. I'll play Star Trek any day, man. Go on some fucking away missions. That'd yeah. Awesome. Um, other things I wanted to run just in quick list. Uh, always wanted to run Iron Kingdoms. Never done it. Still want to do it. Still would love to run. Another we had, we hadn't almost attempted that. <coughs> it's true. And now I have all the new Iron Kingdom shit. Still like to run it. Should do Iron Kingdoms one day. And then of course there's a few um fucking World of Darkness games. Never run Geist. Love that game. Never run it. Demon the Descent, an amazing game, absolutely fucking amazing game, and I've never run it. I've never run a good Shadowrun game either. I've run it once, I've never run a good one. And when Shadowrun Anarchy hits, we're fucking on like Donkey Kong for Shadowrun. <laughs> Sounds good, man. All right. Uh, Mikey of Scottsdale asks, what is the scariest monster? Uh, I'll go first, and go uh, you have trouble topping this one. It's the fucking Illithid, man. The Mind Flayer. It's the fucking coolest monster, the scariest monster, the most badass monster ever in fucking Dungeons and Dragons. Clathonic, fucking just eat your mind crazy. That, that is good. Drop the mic. That is good. And I'm not going to lie, dude. I'm not going to lie. I was sitting there, I was like sitting there, and I was thinking, Beholder or Illithid? Beholder or Illithid? But you know what, dude? I got you dead to rights. The scariest monster is the teacher at your school who tells you to give up on your dreams. That's the scariest monster. When I was in high school, I had an art teacher who I was in, I was in all the accelerated art programs and all I would do is sit around drawing like illustration from those inspired by the role-playing books that I loved. And so I presented my portfolio, portfolio to her one day and she said, Brendan, you're such a great artist. If only I could get you to stop drawing monsters. She goes, she goes, anybody can do this. And Oh, I know. Right. It just it just it set me back like 20 years. Like, seriously, it sent me back 20 years. You know, I would. You do have me dead to rights. I I, I, fuck that. I I took this. I I I I I took that that an adult has so much power over the mind of a child, even somebody who's like a teenager. And they have so much power to like reach into somebody's mind and just crush their imagination or to like break their will and to just tell them what you're doing is stupid and you need to stop doing it. And to me, when when I think of monsters, when I think of like fucking goddamn monsters, like, well, you know, there's like the, you get your, your trumps of the world and you got your mind flares and you got those super banal assholes who tried to talk me out of drawing monsters, which is like my favorite fucking thing in the world. So that's what I got. You're up. I I was going to say humans. Humans are <laughs> the scariest fucking monsters. And I'm, it's, it's amazing what, uh, on a nice down note here, it's amazing what people will do to each other. I mean, it's really horrific. Some of these things you hear about. I mean, so person with a little bit of power doesn't even have to be that much. That's the scariest fucking monster. <laughs> Take that, Mikey. Real talk. 
Real talk and FMRPG. <laughs> um, all right, last question, guys. And this is this one's kind of a doozy. It may take us a minute to fully unpack it. So, um, Nerdgore Rich, Rich Nerdgore from Australia, amazing artist, friend of the show. If maybe you've seen some of his work, uh, we've posted it on the sh- on the show and on our page. If you haven't, you're going to see a lot more. But I highly recommend looking him up. Check him out on uh, Instagram. That's at Art of Nerdgore. Great guy. He asks. Where next for RPGs? As in what untapped genre, style, etc. do you want to see happen? Now I'm going to go ahead and lead on this one, guys, because this is actually something that I think about quite a bit. This is this is I I, I am f- fully immersed in the world of gaming. It's like very very like little goes on in the old mind grapes that isn't somehow game related. And what bothers me about gaming, the gaming industry, for the duration of my life is how limited the subject matter for gaming is perceived to be. If you look at comic books as a corollary, comic books are predominantly about superheroes and like I mean something like, you know, seventy to ninety percent is it about superheroes, and then you get like, you know, some science fiction, you get some horror. And then there's a very, very small, slender margin that's like the independent comic scene, the underground comic scene that's about things other than that. Some, some like you know, Art Spiegelman type stuff, right? Um Persepolis type stuff. And and that and even that small minimal scene doesn't exist in the gaming community. You know? Every game has to be about some kind of violent shit. It just it's all about it's it's war games. We all have to do fucking war games. It's all some kind of fantasy combat. It's all science fiction fighting. It's fucking vampires beating each other up. Every you open up any goddamn rule book and they all are going to have a combat section. They're all going to have a magic section. Half the magic's going to be on how to kill somebody. You know, then there's going to be some kind of like special section on like well, how do you use a computer? How do you fly a spaceship? How do you ride a horse or whatever? And it's all going to have to do with... There's also going to be a subsection there about how do you kill people. There's a, there's, a, there's a whole realm of human experience that has nothing to do with the, like, the murder-hobo mentality. You know what I'm saying? There, the majority of human experience has nothing to do with that. And yet role-playing games fixate upon it in the, like to the exclusion of all else, I will postulate that 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 community is exists in its infancy right now. Yeah. Um. But it does exist currently, right? Like uh, the type of people who make things like the Fall of Magic. Um. We're talking about games that that have nothing to do with combat and nothing to yeah. do with like, you know. Instead, they have to do with telling like a like a cool story about like four people. Who are trying to like you know wander the wander the world essentially or you know do any a number of other things? It it's sort of like you make it up as you go. This to me, like I I don't know if we're ever going to be you know the you you look at movies and novels right and <coughs> the violent and sensationalist stuff remains what people kind of want. You know the big summer blockbusters are always going to be things like. I guess now for the rest of our lives we're going to have Marvel movies and Star Wars movies to look forward to like once every six months forever. <laughs> you know, okay, that's that sounds kind of like when you're a little kid and you, you're like, I wish I could eat pizza for every meal. And then you're like, and then I, you don't actually have to do that. But then as an adult, you realize you didn't really want to do that anyway. And now we're, 
We're going to get all that we want forever. The fucking standees are already up at Target, and they're fucking shoveling it down our throats with a plunger. I love it. I love that we have all these Marvel movies that are actually good. That's debatable. Can't say much about the DC ones. Yeah, I think that's debatable. No, they are. They're good. They're great comic book movies. And it's, I just, I love it. Well, the, the, you you are you are in a golden <laughs> era right now. Then I, I I don't think the kind of games that I'm talking about will ever be summer blockbuster games. I th- you know, I but think I, I but I would like to see more of them. I'd like to see more of them. I think part of the reason for that is because a lot of people when they game, they do it to be someone else. Sure, and do things that they wouldn't normally do. Which like is, kill everybody? Yes, exactly. That, that, there is. Let me ask you: How many times in a day do you want to perpetrate violence on someone? Honestly, I mean, really, not that many. I uh-huh. mean, I mean, I know, I know that I make a lot of. There's like, a reason why your nickname is like the like Warlord that. Amanda. Yeah, that's not Brendan's nickname. Let me tell nickname. you. Yeah. <laughs> there are many times during the day that I want to perpetrate violence on someone, and I'm pretty sure I'm not alone in this. Which is why <laughs> violence in role-playing games is popular. It's the same reason that the magic is popular. You know, I mean, who wouldn't love to have magic in real life? Well. I, I mean, now we're getting into, like, what is the nature of escapism? And I, I feel like you have valid points. You have very valid points. I don't agree with them 100%, but they're valid. I guess I come to it as a person who wants to tell stories that are about conflict. Because I think that without without conflict, there's no drama. Without conflict, there's no drama. Without some drama, then it's, then, then it's boring. And then why are you, t- why are you reading this story? You know, there has to be some kind of drama. There has to be some kind of conflict. <clears throat> but that but it doesn't conflict, have to be war. It doesn't, have, doesn't to be, have to be me killing somebody yeah. else. Uh, uh, here's a couple ideas I have had for games. And if somebody wants to write these fucking games and send me a copy, that'd be great. I would love to see a game where everybody is a, is a member of a band. Okay. And you could play the game on a number of different levels. Kind of like. Like Neonate and Scylla Elder, it would be like um, you could you could play it at the garage band level, or you could play it at the touring small band level, or you could play it at the amphitheater arena band level, right? And everybody plays a different instrument. Everybody has a different role in the band, and then you all have to fucking work out being successful. You have to work out creative control. You have to work out practice. You have to work out writing songs. You have to work out who gets paid what. You got to struggle with getting to the gig on time and making money and 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 dealing with groupies and fame and drugs. Yeah, and, that drug addict, drug addicted lead guitarist asshole. Exactly. And you have to have conflict, and you have to be like, "Well, about my solo career, you know? What about oh, so and so is is he he's gonna be on the cover of the magazine? But he's not taking the band with him, you know?" And you play through that shit, right? And you can, and, and there's a dramatic game in there that's because let me tell you, I've been in, I've been in a band, all right, and it's the hardest fucking thing in the world. You know, you 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 look at the guys in Guns N' Roses, and you're like, oh man, they had so much to lose and so much to gain if they just stuck together, like, but they couldn't make it work because it's so hard when you get people together trying to be creative and trying to have a singular creative vision 
while simultaneously competing for what seem like limited resources. Because so much of what is sort of given to you seems like a zero-sum game. But bands have violence also. What, when they fight? Well, when they fight, when they do things like trashing hotel rooms. Yeah, but you're you're not going to write a combat system into this game, like with an initiative and everything. No, but I'm just saying that there's violence there too. I'm not trying to say that like the the world the, the world the, the, there needs to be games that reflect a pacifist view of the world. I'm just saying that there need to be games that that have conflict that that are driven by conflict, but where the primary means of conflict or resol- resolution are not violent, not overtly violent. Like if if every time you went to a band practice and somebody like disagreed with you, you like fucking like punched them. Square off, bitch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like how many hit points do you have? Like, well, then Countinescu would be in your band. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Countinescu would be known for his solo work. <laughs> Countinescu um, would uh, would demand his to do right solos. I, I I'd like to see a similar game that is about working in a corporation and about corporate intrigue, kind of like in RoboCop. Like like in RoboCop, imagine all the characters that work in OCP. And you have to play those guys like they're like they're, like they're leads of project divisions, and they're competing for resources. And then you and send budgets. the crazy criminal over to the to the the young buck's house to blow it up, along with the CD of you telling yeah. him why it's happening. Bitches leave. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm just saying, I would love to see a game where you don't you don't you don't play you don't play uh, Clarence Boddicker, you don't play RoboCop. You play uh, Dick and fucking yeah. You uh, play Dick Jones. Dick Jones, yeah. You play Dick Jones. <laughs> what well, is somebody outside? Who are you waving to? Uh, Heather. Oh, through the window. I was yeah. Like, How did she get to the balcony? Okay. <laughs> you you could though. You could do these games. Sure, you need to write little systems for them. Well, I think I think I think all the games that I'm talking about, you could write little pamphlets for. Well, you could do them now. In in other systems, and just be like, look, this is this is how it is. If you guys actually kill anyone, you lose. You're, the <laughs> game's over. You've not met your objective. I, I think that that um, systems breed incentives, and so I would like to see unique systems with resource management and their own their own narrative structures as independent games. I was also working on a game for a hot minute about. Um, Varangians, Varangian Vikings in Byzantium, and the Varangians are are a fascinating um, sort of like like a little little splinter culture out of out of the Viking culture um, that that traveled down to um, Byzantium and they sold their um, services as mercenaries uh, to the Byzantines in exchange for gold, and over the course of like five hundred years. They essentially assimilated into Byzantine culture, and that was very difficult for them because they had such a they had this incredibly unique and rich culture and religion, and the Byzantines were getting caught up in Christianity and stuff. And so I was writing a role playing game that was about that was about being an alien in an outside culture where you played a Varangian um, who was losing who was who's, who's becoming assimilated who's becoming assimilated into Byzantine culture. And um, you had like you had points, you had like culture points that you were kind of like that were kind of almost like humanity. Your your humanity dots were kind of going away. Um, I'd like to see more stuff like that. Stuff that I mean, that would definitely have a combat component to it because 
part of the game would be campaigning for with for for the Byzantines, just kind of like why you were there, you know. So that's that's a game where there would be definitely some combat, but it wouldn't be the point of the game. The point of the, it wouldn't be like oh the the point of the Varangian game is that you go out and you conquer fucking infidels or whatever. It would be that like your interactions with Byzantines and like how that slowly slowly kind of like atrophies your own sense of self. Anyway, those are my ideas, man. Um, Rich, get at me. Tell me what you think. Um, what do you guys think? We got. I'm sort of with you on the on the uh, exploring sort of like not typical tropes for role playing. I was thinking about that, and that's definitely that's definitely high on my list. And I've sort of been trying to find different things like Fall of Magic that have sort of like gone that direction. And it's, there's not a lot out there. There's more and more, but there's not a lot. Should look at that game Inheritance. Mm. That's a new one. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I guess. Uh, For me, I would say that that uh, one of the things I want to see more of, and this is this is something that I always loved about White Wolf games, was that like in a lot of ways, as you play a White Wolf game, they have systems in place that sort of like, as you play, make you have sort of an internal dialogue about what it is that's going on with your character, whether it's like it's like um, they're they're sort of like intensely personal, um. Like uh, 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 whether it's like a, a loss of humanity or whether it's um, you know some something 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 similar. I, that's 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 those are the type of role playing games that I look for. I want to see more of that, and not necessarily in that vein, but but something that requires like um, like more internal dialogue as you play. I think that a lot of White Wolf games, a lot of storyteller games, and, and I'm only able to articulate this based on what you've just said. And I think this is a great insight that you've had. Um, they ask you to think, what do I believe? What do I believe as a character yeah. about myself and about reality and where I position myself in reality? And those are peripheral questions in other games. And, and, and in a lot of ways, it means that like, I think that the characters that I've played in a lot of the White Wolf games, not all of them, but in a lot of them were very memorable. Even the ones that I didn't even sort of like, like Shrevan, I think he was a memorable character. I remember him. Yeah, um... And I think that the those systems sort of because they they make you think in different ways about who it is that your your character is, they enable you to bring that vision to life for other people. And it just creates a more I think dynamic and um imaginative game in general. And uh I want I want more more like that. You know, that's that's where I would like to be. I'm with you hundred percent. Lay it on us, Warlord Amanda. You're, you get you get to lay in the last opinion of the evening. <laughs> this is it. You get the last word. Ooh, nice. As I should. <laughs> no, so what I want is a lot more simpler, or maybe not, than what you guys do. It's certainly not as deep. I just want an actual, good, superhero RPG. There is yet to be one. How, how many of you actually tried? I'm curious too many no i haven't really tried that many i've tried my favorite one was aberrant mm. that one to me is the closest to what i'm personally looking for but it it still was too complicated it's like they make them too complicated uh like too many okay well you want to do this you have to roll all of these dice in order to 
float something. And it's just. I, I have a I have a buddy who is super into, um, you know him actually, Tim. Have you played in his Mutant Mastermind game? No. Oh, he he's he's super into that game for superheroes. He's been pitching it to me now for like, or I guess he started pitching it to me like months ago. So Mutants and Masterminds is the Green Ronin one, right? I think so. Yes, I've heard really good stuff on that one yeah. too. That's just that's that's the word on the street is that it's, if you're going to play simplified a s- like you want actually, like um the the powers are like generic in a lot of sense and and all of the like all of the cool stuff that like y- you want to describe your power. Um, you just do in sort of like a role-playing sense. Like, oh, it's a force blast, but then you can call it whatever you want, like a fucking I-beam oh, that I comes see, out of your yeah. glasses. And, you know, whatever you do, you just, you know, that's what it is. Well, that might be cool. Yeah. Because even that, that um, what was that one at? They've had some oh, they had over it, the years. They had the, a crit hit. This the last, X-Men, the Marvel yeah, one. That new, I haven't tried it. And I don't want to try it because just hearing about it, it, it again sounds totally convoluted and and it's just like, dude, there's superpowers. You, you're yeah. overthinking it. I, I think that like for some reason in the genesis of like superhero games, there was like this period where they all went through where they went like super deep into like into like fidgety rule sets, like um, champions and and. Uh, like the hero system champions oh god jesus <laughs> oh, fucking man. christ and, and and it's only i think recently where they're sort of trying to pull back so i think it's on the cutting edge of that and i think that i i haven't actually personally personally seen it or played it but it's been pitched to me that that mutants and masterminds might be what you're actually looking for sweet i'll give it a shot well i'm willing to venture that amanda's probably right that there's just nothing out there that's going to really like scratch the itch that she's that she's that's got possible too because <laughs> <clears throat> it's such a specific niche genre and and and, and because the, what you're really talking about here is this it's this kind of strange divergence that we're having in the in the gaming community right now and you can kind of see it in the story game versus OSR people but really like it comes down to more of a narrative narrative crowd versus simulationist crowd and um for 30 years Games have been directed very s- squarely simulationists, and they end with 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 like increasingly complex rule sets. And it wasn't until um, I think White Wolf kind of started trying to turn the tide in the opposite direction. And you can kind of see that as like a halfway point. And now we're into this into the other side where like the powered by the apocalypse stuff is is like fucking everywhere. And that's like way more narrative and like ah rules fucking who gives a shit. I mean, fucking like I remember when we when we considered uh, White Wolf to be a rules light system. Remember that we're like, oh my god, uh, the the storytelling system is just so easy breezy, and now it looks like it looks like this giant grinding machine compared to like compared to Dungeon World. You know what I'm saying? I remember I remember talking about it. I was like, it's like oh, I, I can make a I can make a fucking uh, I can make a uh, character in for White Wolf, like third edition, right? It could take me like. Five minutes, sure. Seven minutes, just filling in dots. Yeah, boop, boop, boop. <laughs> yep. And then, and then, and then that same thing in Pathfinder. Good fucking luck. Like an hour and a half, hour and a half, really. Probably find all the right feats you want. Hour and a half, maybe. So at first level, hour and a half. I don't know, man. It takes a while. It takes a while. 
Because you got you got to plan out for the first couple levels. You got to think about where it is you want to go. <laughs> yeah, no, that is true. You don't want to make any miss moves early on. That's yeah. A, yeah, good point. Um, but <laughs> but 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 superheroes really have been bought like 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 uh kind of like hamstrung by this simulationist model, especially because in, if when if you try to remain quote unquote true to the like comic book medium. The power levels are just all over the place. Superman's what his power suite is incredibly inconsistent. Every, I mean, everybody's power suite is inconsistent and changes depending on who's writing the yeah, comic. Yeah, decade to decade, writer mm-hmm. to writer, you know. And so, in an attempt to be quote unquote accurate, which I mean, that's if there's any more nerdish word in the English language than accurate, like I don't know what it is. Like it makes these games like in, in, in incredibly. Uh, fiddly in their mechanics, like just, just like very, very fine, you know. But then if you, if you do something like mutants and masterminds, where you feel like where it's just like, oh fuck it, who cares? Uh, you know, powers is powers. You just call them different things. Then it almost feels kind of a little bit like, well, what about my character is very unique, you know? Like like Wolverine has a very unique power suite with his like, oh, I've got my regeneration shit. I've got my my bone spurs, right? And then there's the the experimentation that was done on me that makes me have metals, metals, metal around my bone spurs. You know what I'm saying? And you're like, well, that's a very, very unique character. Like, how am I going to necessarily create you that? You probably do that with like three powers, though, if you think about it, right? You're like, you're like, um, you, you come up with some sort of like, like, like hardness, regist- hardness, hardness to damage, the so regeneration power, and then like a melee weapon, and everything else is just like window dressing. How you want it to look, how you want to play it, what it looks cool. You know, I mean. How how we want it to be? Well, I, I would love to play Mutants and Masterminds. I'd love to give it a shot. So it sounds like we got a lot of games on deck here, man. We got this Hawk Moon <laughs> game. So many games tank, out tank there. Man. Game. We got this Star <laughs> Trek game that we're gonna do. Um, ha- uh, Hawk Moon. Hawk Moon's crit hit though. Hawk Moon's <laughs> definitely crit hit. That's what I'm putting together for crit hit, man. We 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 want to do. We want to. Amanda wants us to do a uh, to do a uh, beneath the inverted church. When we get our hands on that, where we run through that. That's gonna be a, you know an, at least twenty five to thirty hours worth of material. Um, and then all the suck of vampire dude is just making me weep. I can't believe I haven't got my Montreal game together. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me. We're getting now to the end of our program. I'd just like to give everybody an opportunity to reach out to Full Metal RPG and its cast and crew. Uh, FullMetalRPG.com is our site. Um, Adam was on there just today, giving us the 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 sharp tongue, telling us that we gotta step our game up on contribution to the site. So. We should be doing that sometime here soon. Uh, you can also find us at Full Metal RPG on Twitter. I have reactivated that account, and I'm working hard on it all the time. You can hear me musing about Star Trek Deep Space Nine episodes if you want to go on there and find that. Uh, <laughs> the best way to get a hold of me or us is um, Instagram. Great again. <laughs> <laughs> Instagram uh, at Full Metal RPG on Instagram, and then you can follow my personal adventures uh, at Brendan Carrion on Instagram. You can follow Adam Sink at at adam.sync on Instagram and uh, the world of Amanda you got an Instagram account now too right? I, I did just recently join and what was where can they find you in your work at warlord Amanda at warlord <laughs> Amanda on Instagram uh, we also have a Facebook page we'd love it if you'd come and join us there um, find some of our uh, uh, I think that's where we got these questions um, and then uh uh, if you if you want to reach us directly via the emails, um, fullmetalrpgofficial at gmail.com. That's one word, fullmetalrpgofficial at gmail.com. Um, we would love it if 
you would go on iTunes and give us an awesome five-star review and write something down for us. Nobody wrote anything for this one. We got a review. We Our review, number of reviews went up, but nobody wrote anything nice. I'd love to read something that you guys wrote about us, nice or not. We're just plain weird on the air. So do think about giving us, going on iTunes, giving us a, uh, a five-star review. It really does help us get the word out about the show. If you really have listened to the show and you feel like, damn, that is not a five-star show, please write me at one of the above-mentioned places and allow me to address whatever picadillos it is that you might have because I probably share your assessment and uh, I just love to hear your feedback. Um, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, once again for joining us for Full Mail RPG. Um, we will see you again in the first week of November. Thank you very much and have a good night. Thank you, thank you. You're turning to the light. You have just begun to explore the dark in the urban night. Standing in his grace Cause no one